Blog Talk Radio. Mommy, I hear the baby crying. Help me, other words she's implying. Where I've been, well, my world has been dying. Lord, teach me. Oh! 
Okay, everybody, welcome to Prayer International Radio. This is our Tuesday night session. I am your host for the night, Sean Holmberg. Hopefully all of you can hear me and the audio is working okay. If not, then the broadcast is going to have a lot of uh, blank time at the beginning. So let's um, start this off with prayer. Father God, Father, we come to you, Lord, asking for your wisdom, Father. Lord, asking for your wisdom and your mercy in our lives, Father, in our families' lives, Father, in the nations that we live in, Lord, that your hand, Father, your righteous right hand can be seen, Father. Lord, not only in our own lives and our own hearts, Father, but in 
everyone around us, Father, that you would establish yourself. Father, make your home among us, Lord. Give us willing ears, Father, hearing ears, Lord, that we can hear what your voice says to us, Lord. Father, give us hearts that seek after you, Father, hearts that yearn after your word and your truth, Father, hearts that yearn after your heart, Lord. As your word declares that David was a man after your own heart, Father, let us be a nation of Christians, Father, a kingdom of Christians who are not concerned with your hand, Father, as much as we're concerned with your heart and who you are, Lord, and the things that you want, Father, and how we can please you, Father, how we can serve you, Lord, not that we should be served, Father, but that we can serve before you. Father, that we can wait upon you, Lord. Father, that we can worship you in spirit and in truth, for the word declares that you're a spirit and that you want people to worship you in spirit and in truth, Father. Jesus said the time is coming and now is when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. Father, as the nations rise up, as always, against one another, against each other, against themselves, Lord. You remain unmovable, Father. You remain unshakable. You remain a rock, a stronghold, a fortress. Father, you remain our shelter. Even as your word declares that they that dwell, in Psalms 91, they that dwell in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Father, we desire to, as David said, Father, one thing that we ask and that we would seek, that we could dwell in the house of the Lord forever, Lord, that every day of our lives, Father, every breath that proceeds from our mouths, Father, would be to praise you, Father, that every action, Father, of our hands and our heart, Father, everything we do, Lord, would be totally for you, Father, that nothing would be done through vain ambitions, Father, that you would change the motives and the desires of our hearts, Lord, to do things, Father, to serve you and you alone. So there's a lot I wanted to um, talk about tonight, and I don't know how much we'll get into all the different areas that I wanted to get into. So... Um, let me just start here. Um, this is Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 11. And he said, For this commandment, which I command you today, is not too mysterious for you, nor is it far off. It's not in the heaven that you should say, Who will descend into heaven for us and bring it to us, that we may hear and do it? Nor is it beyond the sea that you should say, Who will go over the sea for us and bring it to us that we may hear it and do it? But the word is very near you, in your mouth and in your heart that you may do it. See, I have set before you today life and good, death and evil, and that I command you today to love the Lord your God, to walk in his ways and to keep his commandments, his statutes, and his judgments, that you may live and multiply. And the Lord your God will bless you in the land which you go to possess. 
But if your heart turns away so that you do not hear and are drawn away and worship other gods and serve them, I announce to you today that you shall surely perish. You shall not prolong your days in the land which you cross over the Jordan to go in and possess. I call heaven and earth as witnesses to you, uh, today against you that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life that both you and your descendants may live, that you may love the Lord your God and you may obey his voice and that you may cling to him for he is your life and the length of your days. And that verse is Deuteronomy 30, 20, and everyone should write that down. Write it on the palm of your hands. Write it on your bathroom mirror. Write it on a sticky note and put it on your desk at work. Put it on your refrigerator. It says, for he is your life and the length of your days. That you may love the Lord your God and that you may obey his voice and that you may cling to him for he is your life and the length of your days, and that you may dwell in the land which the Lord swore to your father, to Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob, to give them. You know, it's interesting, and a thing about the Lord is that you know, the scripture says he's not slack concerning his promises, and it says that all the promises of God are yes and amen. And the Father doesn't break his promises to us, ever. We can not receive the promises due to our own actions, but he never takes the promises away. He never backs out from the things that he's said to us, the promises he made to us. He's adamant about blessing us, about establishing us, about bringing us to a place of understanding and wisdom and knowledge that we can understand that the Lord is good, that we can understand that he is faithful from generation to generation. As the scripture says, that he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He changes not, ever. You know, um, I'm going to, uh, hold on one second, I'm going to switch to my cell phone so I can actually get up and walk around for a minute. You know, I um, had the opportunity, um, me and Chris Herzog, we talk um, multiple times a day, and you know, we were talking about the Lord and the blessings of the Lord and how faithful he is. You know, um, many of us at times face obstacles and we face challenges and we face things that happen in our lives that make us wonder um, if the Lord really knows what he's doing if he's really paying attention, if he, um, some people would say, does the Lord even care? Does the Lord know I'm here? Um, as if we're out in the wilderness. And, you know, the obstacles and the things will always happen. There's nothing to change that. Um, you know, me and Chris were talking and there was this incident where he had an accuser in this thing. Um, we were talking about how, you know what? There's always going to be someone that's going to accuse you. 
to your friends, to your family, there's always going to be someone who's going to stand up against you in this earth. And it's always going to be the case. Um, and you might as well get ready for it because the Bible declares that when all this is said and done, there's going to be another accuser, the devil, who's going to stand up and accuse you to your face before the most holy, holy, the Lord God Almighty. And the enemy will stand right there and accuse you before the Father. And then the Lord Jesus Christ is your advocate, your intercessor, your prince of peace, your redeemer will stand up and justify you before the Father, not based on the works of the law, not based on how good you were in this life, not based on how well you did anything in particular, but just by the very fact of his blood that was shed for you on the cross of Calvary. And when it's all said and done, that's all that matters. Period. It doesn't matter what you've done. As long as you are covered under the blood, as long as you've given your life to the Lord Jesus Christ, you're under the blood. But the devil would love for you to think that you weren't. The devil would love to spend however long that you allow him to convince you that you are everything except that which the Lord God said you were. The Bible says we're seated in heavenly places in Christ. It says in Ephesians we're blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. But the enemy wouldn't want you to believe that. He'd rather keep you on the ground believing that you don't deserve the grace and the mercy that comes from the Father. But you have a birthright. You have an inheritance. Ephesians said that we are adopted as children to the family of God. That we have an inheritance that's undefiled, uncorruptible, that doesn't pass away, reserved in heaven for us. The Bible declares that we are children of God. You know, a lot of people walk around don't believe, not believing that, and it's it's interesting. Um, a long, long time ago, there was a one of those old wise men philosophers named Epictetus, and he had this saying that said, "Men are not disturbed by things." but by the view they take of them. And in the Christian world that we live in, it's not really a Christian world, but in this world we live in as Christians, being the representatives of Jesus Christ, ambassadors to Christ, it's shocking, I think, at times how so many of us tend to set our minds so much on the things on earth and not the things of heaven. The Bible says to set your things above and not beneath, to set your things on heavenly things, to set your mind, excuse me, to set your mind on that which is above and not beneath. It says we have the mind of Christ, not the mind of this world. You can look around the world that we live in. You can watch the news every day and it'll paint a very um, dim outlook on the way the world is going and the things that are happening. And it's your choice if you choose to believe those things that you see with your eyes or the things that you hear with your ears or if you choose to believe the things that the Word of God has declared. The Word that was established before the foundation of the very earth. 
and so you can live your whole life choosing to trust God or choosing not to trust God. And it's a pretty simple choice. Um, and people can go either way. Um, be known to read something to you. A long time ago, actually probably not that long ago, I was sitting and writing and, you know, the Lord talks to all of us in a lot of different ways. And, you know, my good friend Chris, my brother in the, in the Lord, you know, he quite often will hear the God. I mean, we'll hear God so clearly. It's um, amazing. God will just say, get up, go to this. Get up, go to this. He'll, and he'll respond, Lord, if you want me to get up and go do this, you need to go tell my wife in the other room to tell me to get up and that we need to go do this. And more often than not, he'll go in the other room or get home and his wife will be right there hearing the same words from the Lord. And, you know, the Lord talks to me like that sometimes, but more often than not, I'll be writing something and he'll just start talking. And, you know, here's something I wrote from the Lord. And he said, how shall I come to you? Shall I come as a beggar that you would despise and reject? Shall I come to you as a king whom you would fear and shrink away from? No, I shall come to you as a lover, showering you with grace and peace, so you may see my heart and not just my position. If you cannot accept my heart, you will never understand my place nor power, for the fullness of my power, place, and being is in my love for you. You know, the culmination, culmination, whatever that word is, of history, from the beginning of since the beginning of creation is the Father showing his loving kindness. Everything in the Bible was written to demonstrate the faithfulness of our God, the love of our God. Something that we still can't comprehend, you know, God, we like to walk around so many times and because the Bible says we're friends of God and we walk around and we quote it, yeah, I'm a friend of God and yeah, we're all friends of God and it becomes a saying that we throw around and I wonder how often we really understand the complexity and the fullness of what that word really means when he said it to us. You know, in my life, I've had numerous acquaintances, but I've had few friends. And even the friends I've had, I've had proof, few friends that have lasted over the course of a lifetime. Because the very nature, it seems, of this world is that there are certain people that will that'll come in and out of your life and those those people that'll stay around for long times. And I only have a small group of friends who have been there from the beginning to the end and are still there. And the Lord is one of those who's there from the first moment to the last. Before we know anything about anything, he's there. Before we're born in our mother's room, he's there declaring his plans and his purposes over us. As he said in the book of Jeremiah, before you were formed in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I ordained you. 
And regardless of who you are, regardless of what you're doing, regardless of what your life is like or what it's been like or what you think it's going to be like, the Lord has a plan for your life. And the Lord has a love that's unmeasurable and unfathomable for you. Far too often we want to judge everybody based on what they're doing without really realizing or understanding what we're doing. And if we're having the mind of Christ, if we're having the heart of Christ. You know, I heard a preacher say when I was a kid that what churches should be doing is every Sunday morning getting up, getting everybody's cars lined up, and immediately going out to the streets and find the homeless people and find the drug dealers and find the lowest of the low in terms of how the world thinks of people and gather them all up and bring them into the house of the Lord. Not to claim that we have the best church and not to claim that we're doing something, but just so those people can experience the presence of the Most High God. And even better than that, instead of sitting in church and bringing them into the church, why don't we go out into the streets where they're at? Why don't we go out to those people who need the Lord the most and declare to them the word of the Lord to them? You know, it's funny because I'm not a Catholic and I have um, some small issues or feelings about the Catholic church. But in the long run... Jesus said, he who isn't with me is again, who, he who isn't against me is with me. And, you know, um, they just elected a new pope. And everybody expected that the new pope would get into the royal pope garments that they have. And he would move into the royal pope house that they had set up, um, lavish apartment. And that he could um, have all the pompous um the parade and everything else, but he didn't want that. Instead, he chose a little small tiny dwelling. And one of his first acts of hope is to get up and go out into the streets and get among the people to reach down and hug the children and to wash the feet of people who were in prison. And all the religious people around him didn't like that too much because that's not what the Pope is supposed to do. But from everything I remember from my Bible, that's exactly what Jesus did. That's exactly what Jesus would have done. If he'd be out there showering the love of the Father upon people. So, um, back to the message. The other day I was, um, well, two-part message, I guess. Um, partly story, partly message. Um, the other day I was, I've been having this, this um, decision to make as far as my job situation and where I work. And I've been blessed that the Lord's always provided for me. Um, anything I've done, the Lord's provided. The Lord's blessed it. I've made multiple mistakes on the way. The Lord's always provided. He said, I've never seen the righteous forsaken nor his feet begging for bread. 
And the Lord will provide because that's who he is. He's a provider. Trust in the Lord with everything. Cast all your cares upon the Lord. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all things will be added unto you. Trust in the Lord, no matter what. Trust in the Lord, no matter what happens. Don't turn to the left. Don't turn to the right. Keep your eyes focused on the Lord. Trust in him. doesn't matter if the bill is due in 10 seconds. Trust in the Lord. And I was in the process of um, debating this um, job change possibility with the Lord. And um, I had a moment to speak with my um, oldest kid in the car. Um, and he's 17, and he's um, right now not really wanting to work that much except for he wants money. And, you know, I was thinking, you know, I can do the job that I'm doing, which is a nice job, but I can't pass it on. When he gets older, I can't really turn around and say, here, here's a company, here's a legacy, something for you to have. But if I did the other job, I possibly could. And what I thought was interesting is how usually, no matter what me and the um, Lord are talking about, he always ends up bringing it up later on. And so... Me and my wife went to um, um, church this last Friday night for Easter service, and and Chris was um, preaching there and um, um, at John Aaron Lee's church in Rockwell or Faith, Texas. John Aaron Lee being someone I've grown up knowing since I was in high school someone who, a pastor who has served the Lord with his whole heart from the beginning till the end. And, you know, my wife and I, my wife and I are always going from here to here, um, just following the Lord. And, um, and recently haven't had an actual church that we really wanted, or we really felt like this is where we're supposed to be called to be. And so it was interesting because we went there and we sat down and we're waiting for the service to start. And I'm, and I'm walking through and, all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit starts talking and just hits me out of nowhere and starts, like, just imparting wisdom to me. And um, and the first thought that came in my head was, Father, no matter what happens, this is where I belong. And I wasn't talking about the church. I was talking about it in his presence. I, that my whole life, nothing else matters from this point till I breathe my last and he comes and and gets me nothing matters except for him I belong in the presence of the Lord I was designed fashioned to be in the presence of the Lord I was fashioned to be a worshiper of the most high and I have few skills and I have few talents that he's given me But someone told me once, the greatest gift that you can, the greatest talent, the greatest ability you have in this life is to love the Father. And if you can do that, if you can give yourself entirely to him, if you can cast all your love upon him, that's enough. Because everything flows from that love of the Father. Everything flows as an outpouring of that relationship, out of that relationship between you and the Father. 
miracles happen. Things are birthed from your relationship with the Father. And in that process, he started talking to me about legacy, really driving it home. And we all know that the Bible says that to raise your child up in the way he must go, and when he's old, he won't depart from it. But it was deeper than that. It was look around the world and, you know, look at what you see everywhere you go. And it's not the wars. It's not the battles. And I remember I was, there was a Supreme Court case in the United States this last week on um, same-sex marriage. And one of the justices said, you know, there's all these children that are involved and that regardless of what the outcome that they, they choose, there's children at the middle of it. And it got to me. And thinking about it. Okay, these children, what do they know of the Lord? They can know about the political situations and they can know about the laws of the land, but what do they know about God? What do they know about their maker? And what is the legacy that we as a body of Christ are passing on to the next generation? You know, every generation that rises up thinks this is the last generation. I've heard it since I was a little kid. Since I first started going to church, I've heard this is it. This is the last generation. Be ready. Any second now he's going to come. And you know what? Any second he could come. Any minute could be your last. It says that our lives are but a vapor. It says every man is appointed once uh, is every man is appointed once to die. And nobody knows when that is. And what is the legacy that we're leaving behind to those who come after us, to those that are growing up around us? What is the legacy we're leaving behind to our communities? What is the legacy? that we're leaving? Is it just being isolationist that this is our church and we have it all together and, you know, y'all go and do whatever you want because the only thing we want to do with you is tell y'all what not to do? Or are we living behind a legacy of the compassion of the Lord? You know, the Bible says that it's the goodness of God that leads men to repentance. And there's a time and a place and there's a season for everything. There's a time to stand up and declare the oracles of God and the word of God. And, you know, we should never condone sin. We should never condone behavior, never accept it as being okay. But that does not mean that we should be ruling a fiery sort of judgment against anybody. Because you can declare what the truth is. But people's hearts are not changed by your words. They're changed by the Holy Spirit. People's hearts are changed not by you standing on the street corner and declaring to someone that they're going to hell, but by you being on your knees in the prayer closet, seeking the Lord on their behalf. Because I'm firmly convinced that no one comes into the kingdom outside of prayer.
because there's always an intercessor out there. Someone, wherever you're at right now, there's probably hundreds of people, thousands of people all over the face of the world who are interceding on your behalf. You know, we teach in prayer that you don't have to be in front of someone laying your hands physically on them to impact their life in prayer. You can pray for people and in completely other countries, and you can even ask the Lord to birth a nation in your heart and to give you desire for nations in your heart. And the Lord will direct you to pray and to intercede on behalf of nations that you may never physically step in. But your prayers can break bondages and the chains of the enemy over nations. Your prayers can provide support for missionaries and for underground churches and for those people who are seeking the Lord. Because I believe our first job is to be worshipers and our second job is to be intercessors. You know, here at Prayer International, the Lord um, birthed a vision inside of Chris and myself for 24-hour prayer, seven days a week, nonstop. Not just in one place, but all over the world. That people would come and intercede and they could come and get prayed for and they could come and hear the voice of the Lord clearly and precise and that we can teach people how to hear the voice of the Lord. And I'll tell you the first step to hearing the voice of the Lord is to spend time with the Lord. The first step, if you want to hear the voice of God, is to get away from everything else but God. Why do you think Jesus always separated himself from his disciples and went to a solitary place so he could seek the face of his father. Because he said, my bread is to do, my bread is to do the will of him who sent me. I have food you don't know of. He knew that his life, the length of his days, was in the father. And the li- our lives, the length of our days, doesn't depend on how much wealth we can accumulate. It doesn't even really depend on how much we can do for other people. But it's about him. Father, what would you have me to do today? Father, what is your heart for my city? Father, what is your heart for my nation? What is your heart for this world, Lord? What are you wanting to do in this world and the people around me? What are you wanting to do with my family? Not my will, but yours be done. And then learn to listen. Learn to just sit back and relax and listen to the voice of the Lord. You know, something I told Chris once. I think I told it to Chris once. As I'm convinced, and, you know, this isn't necessarily something that's written out in the Bible, but I think it's more from observation 
that if you spend enough time with the Lord, continually on your face before him and not even just being on your face in your prayer closet. But, you know, the Bible says to pray without ceasing, seeking psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, making melody in your hearts to the Lord. I think that every day, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, you can be in the presence of the Lord, realizing that his presence is always there and all you have to do is realize that it's always there. And not that you just leave him behind when you go to church and forget about him, Because where can you go to escape his presence? The psalmist said, where can I go from your presence and where can I flee from your presence? Uh, Where can I go from your presence? I messed that whole verse up. Anyway, um, but you get the point. Where can you go from the presence of the Most High God, whose hands have created everything? He said, what house would you build for me, considering my hands have made all things? Everywhere you go is the presence of the Lord. And the more time you spend with him, the miraculous things happen that you start becoming like him. You start thinking the same because your heart is on his heart and your desires start to become his desires. And your heart starts moving and churning with the things that that are in his heart so that you can just start speaking to people and you'll be declaring the things of the Lord to them without even knowing it because you think so much alike because you know what his heart is you know what his feelings are you know the things that please him and those can be found in the word but you'll never know it unless you spend time in it You know, it's not enough to spend a minute a day in the Word anymore. It's not enough just to have a little bit of the Lord. You need to be consumed with the fire of His presence. Because there's an entire world out there that's not. That has absolutely no clue of this God that we serve. This God who died for us and shed his own blood on Calvary. That we could walk in the newness of life. That we could have eternal life. And the world, for the most part, has no clue. And what is the legacy that you're going to leave behind to your children? Is it going to be that you spend your life working and you save up and then you retire. Is that the legacy that you teach your kids? Maybe you save up extra so you can leave it behind to make it easier on them. And you know, that's one type of legacy to be able to provide for your children. But the other type of legacy is to teach your children how to encounter him. How to enter into the Holy of Holies. And to stand before the King of kings and the Lord of lords and declare holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. And I think that's what we should be teaching our children. 
not so we can say they can run around and perform miracles and signs and wonders, because, you know, signs and wonders are just an outpouring of his presence. You get in the presence of God, and you start seeking his face, and you start becoming consumed with him. You won't be able to stop the signs and wonders. You know, Peter just walked down the street, and as even his shadow touched someone, they could be healed. You know, I heard someone say that your shadow will only display that which overshadows you. What is the legacy that we're leaving behind to the world around us? How many people in our neighborhoods and on our various streets have never heard the name of the Lord before? So we're going to take a break for just a second and we'll be right back. Your hand reached into the depths of darkness. Your Pull me to the light above Your You spoke the word that broke my heart Your Burned with holy passion and fire Oh. 
Hey, everybody, welcome back. You know, in Matthew, it says, in Matthew um, 13, verse 11, it says, there were disciples were asking Jesus why he spoke to people in parables, and he said, because it has been given to you to know the mystery of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been given. The Bible declares that the things of the Lord, um, spiritual things, are discerned, are spiritually discerned, and it says that, you know, people in the world can't understand, can't comprehend the things of the Lord. But to us, it's been given to know the mysteries of the Lord. Jesus said, I no longer call you servants. Because a servant doesn't know what his master is doing, but I call you friends. And he said, I'll speak to you plainly. Jesus said that when he, the helper, the Holy Spirit, comes, he will take of what is mine and declare it unto you. He said, all things are mine. Therefore, I said, he will take of what is mine and declare it unto you. And when Jesus said that, he didn't just mean things in heaven, but he meant his own life. Everything was laid down for us. And Jesus said that he will bring to your remembrance every the things I said to you. And it says, the Spirit searches the heart of the Lord. And reveals the things of the heart of the Lord to us. You know, I believe that Chris and I are under the same opinion that you can learn more in an hour of spending time in the presence of God than you can learn from a lifetime of books and tapes. And there's nothing wrong with books and tapes, and there's nothing wrong with sermons. You know, I was in the car with my wife yesterday, um, or the day before yesterday, and we were driving home from Easter. An Easter dinner we had, and um, she was turning the radio, and my wife loves to listen to um, Christian radio and to the pastors that get on there. And, you know, she put one on, and I think... At the moment, it was more because the kids in the backseat were really noisy. And she was trying to drown them out, and she turned it on, and immediately I recognized the voice of someone named Dwight Thompson, who has been a preacher and an evangelist for probably longer than I've been alive. And when I was a little kid, like really little, when I first came to the Lord um, in high school, I remember hearing him on TV and watching him and I still remember some of his sermons from even when I was a kid word for word and I've gone to multiple churches in my life I've heard so many sermons I couldn't even remember, and they've all blessed me, and the Lord's spoken to me through each and every one of them. And I've read my Bible backwards and forwards, meditated on it, been in and out of it. 
But when you get the Bible and you separate yourself to where it's quiet and it's just you and him, no one else, not your family, not your friends, not your work, not your acquaintances, your buddies on Facebook or whatever else. It's just you and El Shaddai. It's just you and him. And you begin to dwell upon him. And you begin to talk to him and converse with him. Something changes in your life. Because you can't get in the presence of God and not be changed. You can't be in his presence and not have it affect you. And he'll begin to open up his heart. He'll begin to open up the mysteries of heaven to you. And many times, like with me, he'll say, be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that he is God. That whatever you're facing, he is God. Whatever the obstacle, he is God. Whoever the enemy, whoever the countless number of enemies, he is God. Never changing. The earth could dissolve and pass away and he'll remain. And someday we'll stand before him. But from every day, from here to now, we have this incredible opportunity to have fellowship and communion with the Most High God through the blood of Jesus Christ by the Holy Spirit. To commune with our Maker. To worship Him. You know, it doesn't matter if you're alone in your house or if you're walking down the street, you can spend time with the Lord. You can be in the elevator at work and be worshiping the Lord. Laying in your bed, worshiping the Lord. Even if it's just your heart crying out to Him, even if it's just in a spiritual language, crying out to the Lord. Declaring your love for him. The Bible says that David lay upon his bed, unable to sleep, because he was seeking the Lord. Because of the times we live. We need his voice more than anything. Because sooner or later, someone's going to come up to you with an issue or a problem or a need expecting an answer from you as to what the Lord can do for them. And you have to know him. So when you're in that situation, 
you don't have to fumble around trying to remember a scripture, and you don't have to fumble around and try to remember what you were taught that you need to say at that moment. But you know the heart and the will of the Lord at that moment because you know him. And like Peter said to the man at the gate, he said, silver and gold I don't have. But what I do have, I give you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, wise up and walk. Because he knew whom he served. And every one of you have the ability to change the course of the entire world through intercession. And there's going to be someone out there who needs that intercession. There's someone in a hospital bed right now that needs you to intercede for them. There's someone on the other side of the world, whether it's in China or Australia or the United States, whichever country they're in, Indonesia, Bangladesh, Austria, Germany, Czechoslovakia, there's someone out there who's stumbling around looking for the Lord. Father God, Father Jesus, to hear your voice. Father, teach us how to pray your will. Father, teach us how to intercede on behalf of the nation. Right now, if you know someone who's sick or has a disease, um, especially meningitis for some reason. I don't know why, but just trust me on this. Just put your hand, lay your hand on them for a second or just reach your hand out to them even if they're not there. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, Lord, your word says that by your stripes we are healed. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we command complete and total healing on this person. Father, they would be totally restored right now in the name of Jesus. Every organ, every muscle, every bone, completely restored in the name of Jesus Christ. Father, that you would restore eyesight and hearing. Father, you would remove every bit of cancer in the name of Jesus. Father, cause every cancerous cell to be removed right now. Father, every person who's crippled in a wheelchair, Lord, Father, by your power, Lord, that you give them strength to rise again in the name of Jesus.
you know, healing's an interesting thing. Far too often, we have the opportunity to be a conduit, a vessel for the Lord to use to reach out and touch someone, to bring healing into their lives. But for some reason, we talk ourselves out of it, thinking that somehow it's about us more than it's about him. You know, the Bible says, lay hands on the sick and they will recover. Which really means you put put out your hand and you trust the Lord to do the rest. And you realize that he's already declared that by Jesus' stripes we're healed. He said, anything you ask in my name, I'll do it. You know, I've been blessed in my life to have gotten to pray for a lot of people. Um, a few of them got healed right away. Some of them didn't get healed right away, got healed later. Um, more than off, more than not, I've been in, gone to pray for someone who was in the hospital, and then nothing would happen right then, and I would just keep trusting the Lord, and within the next day or a day later, they'd be out of the hospital, and think more for the Lord to show me it's not about me, but it's about him. And I remember something I will never forget as long as I live. Throwing myself on the mercy of the Lord, I remember I was going to do something in Dallas. And I don't know if I was going to some courthouse or doing something or filing paperwork somewhere. Anyway, and so I, I get out of my car in the parking lot and I'm starting to walk across the street to the records building. And there's a man sitting on the corner. And I look at him and I notice two things. Number one, he was asking for money. Which you'll learn that um, the more time you spend with the Lord, that you just automatically become a giver. Because that's what he is. And you become like him and you just want to give. Because you realize nothing belongs to you, but everything is his to begin with. This is really you have received, really give. Anyway, and so he was asking for money, but then I noticed his foot was enormous, like one of his feet, one of his feet looked like it was just completely swollen, like 10 times normal. And the first thought that came to my head and in my, in my heart was to go pray for him. But I got scared. And I was like, okay, I'm out in public, God. I'm, I'm, I can't do it here. There's, I'm in the middle of the street. There's five million people around. I can't just go and pray for this guy. And what if nothing happens? <laughs> the biggest lie from the enemy. What if nothing happens? What if God can't do something? When the Bible already declares he has. And so I walked by and didn't pray for him. And he could have been healed. Not because I'm a great healer. Not because I know the right words. Not because 
I have an amazing anointing for healing. None of that. Because all I have is the knowledge of the God I serve. And knowing his word is true. And that's enough to change someone's life is to know him. So I would encourage you today that regardless of the situation, to stand up and take a leap of faith, to never back down from the challenge of allowing God to move in your life and allowing God to change someone's life through your obedience to his voice. Because I've seen people get healed. And, you know, it's always amazing to watch him work. Anyway, this is Prayer International Radio. We'll be back tomorrow night at about 10 o'clock. You can always go to our website, which is prayerinternational.org. If you need prayer between now and tomorrow, you can just email us at prayerinternational at gmail.com. And have a good night.